Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Story Time with Buster. We are out on the road. Uh, Living Light Outdoors is traveling this weekend. We've been up in the Missouri area doing a little work and uh, be traveling up to Lodge of Hope with Peterson Outdoor Ministries in the morning to deliver a message there. They have a wounded veterans deer hunt going on this weekend, a ministry that we work closely with. Be going up there to join them in the morning to uh, get in on some of that and, and to preach a message up there and visit with some of the guys and it'll be a, a good time anticipating a good time with them. Uh, wanted to continue our, our path that we've been traveling on Saturdays with our stories. Uh, this is coming from the books that I've been reading from Rick Joyner. Um, we're going to go through another chapter today that's uh, out of the, the book called The Valley that Rick Joyner wrote. This, this particular chapter is called The Dragon. So it's an interesting chapter. I hope it'll keep you on the edge of your seat. I hope you're enjoying these. I hope it's moving you. I hope it's changing you. I will say this. I am not in a, in a place where I can edit my audio this time. <laughs> so you're going to get live what you get. Uh, hopefully I won't stammer and stutter through too much of this. But uh, we're going to get this one out to you today uh, so that we don't lose track of where we are with our story time. And uh, hopefully this message will encourage you, enlighten you, and, and get your heart thinking in a different way, your mind thinking in a different way. So with that, I want to jump in here on the dragon. Although united, it was our intent to go through the valley of the shadow of death in an offensive posture, to find and attack the evil strongholds instead of trying to avoid them. Even so, there can be a big difference between having your mind changed and having your heart changed. When your heart is changed, the truth becomes who you are, not just what you believe. Sermons and teachings can set us on the path to change, but they alone cannot do it. The truth must be combined with experience to be changed into life. It would, talk, it would take the valley to do this for us. As we stared down the path into the valley of the shadow of death, our fears came cascading back down upon us. It was sobering how truth presented and understood so clearly can become so clouded when challenged. To walk out the prophetic counsel will take much greater courage than had been required of us before. This valley feels like a weird house of horrors to those who live by fear and not by faith. No doubt it is. This does not represent our world. It is our world. Here we are going to have our spiritual eyes opened to reality. Here we will begin to see our world as it really is. I, for one, am looking forward to this. They say ignorance is bliss, and it may be in this case, but I too would rather see things as they are. I may regret it later, but how can we not want to see things as they really are? How do we know that things are not even better than we perceive them? That's an interesting thought. Why do we always expect the worst? Why not expect the best from our experience in this valley? Well, it may not be best to expect good or bad, but just resolve that regardless of what we see and come to understand, our first job is to maintain the joy of the Lord. He promised that he would not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can endure. So let's keep our focus on enjoying him and each day that he gives us. He would not have been told to keep the joy of the Lord if it were not possible. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, so we must begin each day by thanking him and determine that we are going to thank him for all things. This valley looks so beautiful from here. 
Everything seems to become more beautiful from where you view it from. We couldn't get any higher than being seated with Christ in the heavenly places. So if we stay seated with him, anything we look at from that perspective should be beautiful. That is where we need to see all things from. This is true, but where we actually where we will actually be walking in is very dangerous valley. If we look at it from here, it looks docile enough, but we will be facing some real dangers. I want to see clearly from this perspective on the ground as well. Since we are both natural and spiritual beings, we need the best vision from both perspectives. That is not easy to have or walk in, but I think we are about to learn how. Living by faith takes faith. I think we're about to be forced to grow in faith. I think we have the team to get through this valley if we stick together. It is good to remind each other of the truth that we know. It is when I looked from the earthly temporary perspective that my vision becomes clouded. As I begin to see my purpose to help them reach their eternal destinies, which meant daily sacrifice and even martyrdom, the burden began to lift. Getting through this valley will be much easier for all of us if we lift up one another and become the team we are called to be. Let's keep in mind to remain a team we must think of others and not just ourselves. We must be sensitive to the weak and wounded, as there will be some, and let's be ready to help those who need help. Keep in mind that selfishness is the core evil we are facing, so let's not let it use us. Our purpose for going through this valley has been changed, and it is much more encouraging to think of ourselves as the hunters instead of the hunted. Yet it seems that if we do what we will be in the valley much longer than we would be otherwise, but what is more important, getting through here faster or getting through here better? We've been told that we are to leave the valley safer and easier for those who come after us. If we do not do what if we do not do that, we do not succeed. But I thought this was supposed to be a dangerous place where all who go through it are tested and grow in faith. Why would it help them if we make it safer? Even if we completely destroy every enemy we meet, it will still be a very dangerous and challenging place for those who come after us. It is written that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And he said that as he was sent to us, so was he sending us. It should not be our goal or our nature to want to just get past an enemy that threatens the path God's people must walk. It should be our nature to destroy every work of the enemy we come to. Although this is a noble resolve, it will make things a lot more complicated. It could make things impossible. But what is impossible for man is not impossible for God. We are here to learn to walk in the strength of his might. Will we, we will not be, we will not do that if we are not faced with what is impossible for us. If we have been asked to do the impossible, then we should be expecting to see great miracles. I think the best all of all of us is how we have been commanded to go into this with vision and purpose to attack the enemy rather than just seeking to save our own skins. We should all know by now that making it through the test of our faith is never the whole reason for the test. 
Even defeating enemies is not the whole reason for the battles that we are led into. It is also about who we become by going through them. As we mature in who we are called to be, the less it will be about us and what we gain, but rather more about the kingdom and how others benefit from what we do. If this valley is such a domain of the enemy, we should be excited to be led through such a target-rich environment. I have been through this valley before. I walked with some amazing people here and know that we are on the mountain fighting the good fight. I have also fought in the battle of the mountain, but even there I did not sense the kind of unity that we have here. I have never been in any group like this one before. However, there has been a change. When I went through the valley before, we did not have the mandate to seek out the enemy and attack their strongholds. Why is it that it's different now? Is it because we're on a different level, or is it because the times have changed? As much as I might be prone to think the former, I think it is the latter. The times have changed. We are getting close to this last battle. I think the church has been wandering in the wilderness, just enduring until now. But we are now at the Jordan River. It's time to fight for our inheritance. We are no longer to avoid any evil stronghold in our Father's land. The world and all that it contains belongs to the Lord, not the devil. It is now time to fight for it. When Israel came to the Jordan River to cross it and fight for their land, it said that the Jordan River overflowed its banks all the days of the harvest. The Jordan River represents death, which is why it was the place where John and Jesus baptized. Death will overflow its banks all the days of the harvest at the end of age. This is why our preparation for the last battle requires that we pass through this valley of the shadow of death. It has been said courage is not the absence of fear, but the ability to control fear rather than let it control us. Of all that is being required of us now to grow in faith and all the fruit of the Spirit, I think that courage is going to be crucial for anything that we are called to do from now on. I think courage is the result of love for those that we fight for, the Lord, and for one another. We must, we must put the interest of the kingdom and others before our interest in just getting through this trial. This devotion to making it easier for those who come after us has turned a dread of crossing this valley into an exciting mission. But this is about more than that. This is about becoming mature warriors of the king. We are not called to be warriors for our own glory, but for his. We should never put our own interests or desires first. This is also a brilliant strategy. This takes us off the defensive to taking the initiative. It is far better for morale to be proactive and intentional than to be on the defensive. This one thing was like having someone flip a switch from fear to faith. We thought that the enemy must have sensed this resolve in us as well, and we walked for the rest of the day with no attacks. We thought that, was, that this was because we were so prepared for the fight that it made the enemy hesitant, but that was not the case. The dragon who had been fighting God's people for thousands of years was far more cunning than that. He was carefully laying the trap and using our increasing confidence in ourselves to lead us into it. A few times there was a disturbance outside our perimeter. These seemed to indicate an imminent attack. 
but the group responded so resolutely that we began to believe even more that we were so strong it caused the attackers to reconsider. We all began to think that this new resolution was going to make crossing this valley much easier and faster. We might even just march straight through with no battles, sending the enemy scattering just by being there. As the day came to a close, we found a clearing adequate for a camp, and so we stopped and set up for the night. We established the watches, and then we feasted on the abundant fruit we'd gathered along the way. This was a great day. We made it twice as far as I expected, and the fruit here is abundant. The living water is also close, so this has been a very good start. I don't think we should become complacent here. Then the roar tore through the night and took our breath away. It was not just loud. It seemed to embody both terrible pain and panic. It was so startling that it was hard to tell the direction that it came from. Everyone was on their feet, frozen in place, facing the camp perimeter. We all expected an imminent attack. When there was no attack after a few minutes, I began to walk through the camp to check on everything. Then we heard a disturbance in the lower valley coming towards us. As we braced for an attack from that direction, I instructed others to go to tell the watchmen on the other sides and the rear to keep a close watch in those directions too, thinking they might be distracted from the real attack coming from the front. Then as I moved to the front to add people to our watches there, I saw forms coming up the path from below. As they grew closer, I could see that they were people staggering as if wounded. It turned out they were exhausted. As they got closer, I called out to them, can we help you? They froze as if terrified by my voice. So I asked again, walking out to the path so they could see me. Who are you? One of them asked. We are sojourners on our way to the mountain. They had been attacked and they were, there were many wounded. I sent half the watchmen ahead to take positions in front of the team while others had already had the rest ready to go. I wanted to help the wounded, but I also wanted to set an example that we would be proactive in every situation. Then an unexpected problem arose. Those who had just staggered into our camp did not want to move. Some of them began to say that they were not going, and then all of them said they were not going. When I tried to persuade them of how important it was to look for the wounded, they were adamant that they were not going back out. I felt that I had no choice but to leave them, but I first asked them if they knew what had attacked them. They did not answer. I encouraged them to set up watchmen, and they asked if we could leave some behind a watch to watch out for them. I told them that we need all of our people to help the wounded, and that I was not going to leave any of ours behind. At this, they became outraged as if as we left, we could still hear their curses and accusations. I think I would rather go out and face whatever attacked them than to stay with them and get infected by what's on them. I'm actually glad they did not want to go with us. I would like to have learned more about them, what attacked them, and how they'd become so selfish and in such a state, I responded. I didn't think anyone that self-centered could make it this far on the path. The fear of death can do strange and terrible things to people. This should be a warning for us. Selfishness may be the biggest trap in this valley. We must watch for that if it starts to show up in our group. If we start becoming selfish, 
it can be as deadly as what is attacking us from this valley. I think that selfishness is what's trying to attack us here in this valley. It's the main spirit I sense in this place. I started feeling selfish in small ways as we entered the valley, but it grew dramatically as these dirty dozen came into our camp. I found myself guarding my stuff instead of thinking how I might share something to help them. I think you have illuminated something very important. We were warned that selfish, selfishness is the dragon we're facing here, but it's manifesting in unexpected ways. Then our hearts were frozen by a loud and terrible shriek from the path ahead. As we picked up the pace, the clamor grew louder. It was not like anything I'd ever heard before. As we turned a corner, we were held to, we were held to seem more shocking than anything we expected, even in this place. I'm going to leave you right there with that, and we'll pick this back up next Saturday. What an incredible thing to think that selfishness is one of the biggest dragons that we're going to face in this valley. As we travel this wilderness of this world that we're in right now, the fact that selfishness, self-centeredness, look around you today. Is that not something you see in many, many ways that are going on in our country today? This this self-centered, selfish way of everything around us. And it is one of the biggest tools the enemy is using against us today. Something to consider as we as we walk through this journey, as we travel through this this process that we're going through today, that selfishness could eliminate us from this race. Selfishness alone could actually cause defeat in everything that we're trying to accomplish. Don't allow yourself to be drawn into selfishness. Guard your heart. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the light and the lamp unto our path. Amen. God bless you guys. I hope you enjoy these. I hope it's intriguing. I hope it's drawing you in. Uh, it may be something where you'll have to go back and listen to these each each moment uh, all together so you can kind of get to the gist of this story. But, but I hope it is drawing you along with me. Uh, I'm drawn into these. I love this reading, and I love hearing what God has to say in the process of it. So many things we can glean from this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your feet on the right path. Stay close to him. That living water will stay close to you. Amen. God bless you guys. I hope you're having a great weekend. I hope you're having a great Saturday. We love you. We thank you for all the support. We thank you for praying with us, walking with us on this journey. Continue to pray over this ministry. Continue to pray over our efforts. That God continues to give us clarity of mind. Uh, that he continue to draw us on the right path. That he speaks into us the things that we need to hear so that we can speak them back out. Amen. We love you. God bless you guys. We'll talk to you again real soon.